You're listening to Manufactured with Kim von der Weert, and this is a podcast about sustainability and the making of fashion. Join me every week in conversation with the people who manufacture what we wear. This episode is the second edition of a new episode format called Flip the Script. In case you missed the last one that brought together three suppliers and an activist, here's a quick explanation of what the format is. So one of the best parts of creating this show has been talking to such a diverse group of stakeholders. And it got me thinking, what if I could leverage the podcast to bring together unexpected groups of people for candid conversation? So many of the inter-industry platforms for these types of conversations do manage to bring together diverse stakeholder groups, but often there's only one or two suppliers amongst a much larger group of sustainability professionals. So I thought, what if we could flip the script, bring unexpected groups of people together who may otherwise not get the chance to talk, and do so in a way that puts suppliers in the majority, not because suppliers are more important, but because it creates a dynamic that's different to a lot of the other important conversations already happening. So without further ado, this week's episodes bring together people from opposite ends of the fashion supply chain, two suppliers operating at various tiers and an impact investor. On the supplier side, I'm joined by Hilmand Hui and Lubaina Shapurwala. Hilmand is vice president of Bombix and vice president at PFG. PFG is a manufacturing company with factories across mainland China and Hong Kong, doing textile production, dyeing, weaving, cut and sew, and logistics, and has a long history of producing for brands like Eileen Fisher. Bombix is a subset of PFG. Their focus is on regenerative silk production and transforming the way silk is produced, traded, and consumed. They're on a mission to do everything from dirt to fabric and beyond. If you want to learn more about Bombix, be sure to go back and check out episodes 69 and 70. Lubaina is partner at Mustang Enterprises. Mustang produces socks in India, both for the local market as well as for export markets. Mustang is a rare woman-owned manufacturing company focused on eco-friendly processes and products. They also wholeheartedly support ethical trade movements. On the investor side, I'm joined by Johanna Schmidt. Johanna is an investment strategist at Triodos Investment Management in the Netherlands, and they're really pushing the boundaries of what sustainable investing means. Prior to working for Triodos, Johanna has also worked for ratings agencies. In this episode, part one of our chat, we lay the groundwork for the big questions. What exactly do Hilmund, Lubaina, and Johanna do? What is impact investing anyway? And how do impact investors decide what constitutes a good investment? Where does the information come from? In part two of our chat, also out today, we get into the big questions. We start with certifications. How does Johanna decide which certifications to look at and which certifications are any good? What do Hilmund and Lubaina think about this? What's their own experience with certifications been like? Do they think it's information that makes sense for investors to be looking at? We then open things up for an even bigger question. What do Lubaina and Hilmund want from the brands they produce for? And what role could impact investors play to support this? Hint, it has something to do with relationships, partnerships, and fairness. This podcast is a passion project and a labor of love. Support the show by following me on Instagram at manufactured underscore podcast or sign up for the bi-weekly newsletter at www.manufacturedpodcast.com for an overview of the latest episodes, 
articles I've recently published, and links to off-the-beaten-path reading. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can make a Patreon donation at www.manufacturedpodcast.com. Last but not least, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and hit subscribe. This helps other people find the show, and I'd really love your help with that. I actually want to start with um, the two of you, Hilmand and Lubaina, about just to give a little bit of context about your entry point into the world of manufacturing, what each of you makes or the companies that you work for, what they make, um, uh, what you are selling, um, and a little bit of a sense of scale and your role within that. Um, Hilmand, maybe I, we start with you. Um, okay, well, I'm Hillman. Uh, I am VP at PFG and Bombix. Um, the bulk of our production base is in Sichuan in China. It's in a place called uh, Nanchong Yilong within Sichuan. And we're building our entire supply chain all within that small area just so that we can reduce our carbon emissions and, and also the costs in, in domestic trucking. And also it helps with the traceability of things. But uh, for the fabric side, we sell to companies like... Um, Banana Republic and Gap Group. We sell to H&M Group uh, among those. And then on the garment side, we work with companies like Everlane and J. Crew, Madewell, um, and so forth. We're looking at about, um, if I had to guess today, uh, our dye house is at 250,000 yards a month, uh, 2 million meters of fabric annually, and I think about 150,000 units uh, for the garment facility. So my entry point into the world of manufacturing was about six years ago. Uh, I went to school uh, in, in North America, in Toronto. I studied uh, communications. But I mean, when I came back to Hong Kong for a job opportunity, uh, it was at a, a fashion manufacturing company. Six years ago, when I came back, I didn't, I didn't fully understand uh, the scope of of, of, of manufacturing and how many lives and, and, and how many aspects, um, that it touches until I saw it with my own eyes. It's absolutely huge. And, and that goes into uh, all the things that we have to consider for, um, you know, ESG investing and sustainability investing and so forth. Uh, but this company, uh, to go back to the point, we make a lot of silk. Um, a lot of what we make is women's wear. We do soft wovens. We do tops, bottoms, uh, dresses. We do outerwear. Um, uh, we even have down injection, uh, we have a dye house, uh, a big project that the company is doing right now is, uh, a, a fully vertical, um, uh, silk supply chain. So from the farm all the way to the dress in the umbrella company, and we've created a new company called Bombix that starts from the farm to the, uh, finished material, the finished fabric. And then the factory is actually under, uh, PFG, uh, the umbrella company. And together that makes the full vertical supply chain for silk. Because when we were looking at sustainability, we were looking at our investments and, and, and our future, um, it was almost as if the stars had aligned. And for listeners interested in learning more about Bombix, be sure to go back and check out episodes 69 and 70, which were released just two weeks ago when Hillman t- gives the full backstory on what Bombix is, what they're doing now, and what exactly regenerative silk production means as well as what it means to build a dirt to fabric production facility okay lubaina over to you basically uh, we're socks manufacturers based out of uh, india uh, we manufacture about uh, 800,000 to a million pairs a month 
and uh, the company was started basically because in, in 30 years ago in india where we used to get only nylon socks it was predominantly nylon and nobody really knew what cotton was about and my senior business partner nazneen we're a company that's um, owned and run by two women um, nazneen uh, started the company about 35 years ago uh, with the with the clear um, uh, need for cotton socks something more comfortable something more durable and something more um, uh, breathable for a customer to wear so we started off with 18 mechanical machines about 35 years ago um, i came in about 20 years ago and um, you know we built the business slowly together when we uh, our growth really started when we started working with uh, george debenhams and all the organized uh, export players so basically they saw our, our product in the in, in the indian domestic market after which they kind of said you know you have a great product would you like to work with us and that's how we learned what um, organized business was organized structure was and how uh, they kind of handled us in getting our compliances on board and we started working with all the the uh, brands within the uk um, uh, market which was next debenhams um, marks and spencer george all of them uh, we built a new factory over 2 acres and got everything in in uh, slowly in order so whether it was you know where whether it's minimum wages whether it's um, having a fire hydrant whether it's rainwater harvesting i think we're one of the few factories within the palgar belt palgar is a small remote town um close to bombay city it's about 125 kilometers where we have all the um the statutories and the compliances in place we've gotten all our cotton bci and um, uh, organic cotton certifications we've were gots and okotex certified our lab our labor force is 250 women and we've seen how they've learned and grown with us so um that's where we are and that's how we've grown to uh, a very small uh, small uh, scale company to today a, me- a medium scale and we've also been awarded by the indian government on various um, export uh, um, um um awards that they've been giving out and you know women entrepreneur awards which uh, we're tired of but we would like to be in the main bracket but yes um so yes and and the fact that we truly believe in the whole um, fairness of um, of work Uh, is where we are today and which is looking at how we can scale what we've built over the years. Johanna, I want to move to you. Um before I want you to tell us what ESG investing is, but before we do that, maybe just share a little bit about how you ended up in this space in the first place and then we can get into what it is. Sure. Um yes, so my name is Jonna Schmidt. I work as an investment strategist at the Triodos Investment Management. I actually never wanted to work in finance. That was never my plan. I studied international relations at the Stockholm University and was really interested by ethical considerations and was focusing on the defense industry. So weapons and looking into weapons exports from Sweden where I was studied and also from Germany where I'm from and then I was looking so I was doing an, a research internship and looking for a job and then upon a recommendation I was recommended to a research house a very small one in Stockholm 30 people that advises investors on ethical questions um so I worked there for two years and a half and then I went to another ESG research house um in Amsterdam where i then focused on the financial sector which of course is really interesting to um 
screen or rate the financial sector on sustainability uh, topics, um, especially during the money laundering time, if you know, remember some big cases. So that was very, very exciting. And that was still the very ethical side. And then after another two and a half years, I thought like, okay, now I really have to go and work for a financial institution. And there were not many that would meet my ethical criteria, but definitely Triodos does, um, because Triodos is uh, uh, very well known in the Netherlands, I think, but maybe not internationally. Um, Triodos is an impact investor. It has a banking business since 40 years ago um, and is also uh, investing in private and public um, stocks. And projects. And then recently I switched into the strategy position. So now with uh, our team, we're defining the strategy of uh, Trios Investment Management. So basically, how can we make impact as an investor? How can we select our um, company, the companies we want to have in our portfolios? How can we talk to them to move into a more sustainable direction and so on? So also impact the rest of the financial sector uh, to have higher ethical standards. And that's why one of the reasons I was so excited to have this conversation, because because ultimately, like the the financial side, the shareholders are sort of like the last stop in a way in a in a fashion supply chain. And so, and I've never heard a conversation between people who are actually in production and somebody who's on the investment side. Uh, but you know, if 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 we're all sort of trying to move in the same direction, it, it seems like a conversation worth having. Can you tell us? Very broadly, what is ESG? Maybe even just starting with like what the letters stand for um, and sort of in, in very for somebody who's never maybe even thought about this or wondered about this, explain what it is. Sure. So it's funny that you ask about ESG investing, because I would have preferred if you ask me about impact investing ah, or okay. responsible investing. Okay, okay. There are lots of words that are flying around. So it's not a mistake. Uh, ESG is, investing is one of the words that's flying around and maybe the best one to start the conversation. So ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. So these are three um, areas that we would look into companies and assess companies on. Um, and it basically, so now I talk about responsible investing. That was basically the origin. It was like, it started like around 30, 40 years ago, mainly faith-based investors. Like for instance, if you think about the church that did not want to invest in weapons or in alcohol and gambling. So they had so-called exclusionary screenings. So they made sure that they wouldn't invest in companies involved in certain controversial products. So that's then the first layer. And then like this whole responsible investing evolved into socially responsible investing or sustainable and responsible investing, taking a broader scope and also looking at um, the processes of companies. So like are there human rights violations in the supply chain um, or uh, what about gender diversity and anti-discrimination? So there are a whole lot of things. So then it was also um, not only the products were in the focus, but also the processes. So uh, one would look at the controversies um, around a company. And there's also a very broad um, uh, a broad range of, um, of issues you can imagine. Um, and that whole thing has then also come to ESG integration. So you don't look into just a financial model to evaluate companies, but integrate sustainability, ESG factors into it, or you, what we do now. So that's, I think, the 
latest thing you look into impact investing so you only invest companies for your portfolios where you think that they make actually positive impact a con positive contribution to the societies to a durable and sustainable economy and then what i have um, been doing for the last two years also at Triodos, I've been focusing on the social aspects. Um, so looking into supply chains, um, looking at labor rights, and also we are engaging with an investor coalition. So not only as Triodos, but with basically like the whole Dutch financial sector, all the big Dutch financial institutions and more. Even we have some in France, UK and Scandinavia now in a coalition called the Platform on Living Wages Financials. With this investor coalition, we address um, the topic of living wages together in companies. So you can imagine a big stock-listed garment company. And then we arrange a call. So we have the whole Dutch financial sector represented and we ask this company, okay, what are you doing on living wages? And Initially, you know, like we have an assessment tool. So once a year, we assess companies on on the uh, on what they're doing in terms of also reporting um, and uh, their programs on living wages. Um, but we also want to understand, and especially me, I want to understand the obstacles because sometimes it's really difficult to. Um, to, you know, understand what's happening on the ground in a factory. And as an investor here, I'm based in Amsterdam. It's really difficult to understand what's going on on the far other hand. And uh, I mean, the brands we're talking to, these are international brands, usually they're stock listed, so they're big. Um, and even for them to understand like the factories, it's very difficult. So there are lots of questions I have, and I kind of feel like often with the with the big brands, it's difficult to get the uh, experts on the phone. And then I wonder, is it is it like a common issue that nobody is really talking to the supplies, to the factories? Um, so if I get to hear from you, you know, like what you experience, then I can use that and basically talk to the big brands from, you know, basically top time approach. And that's what I'm really excited about today. I have one more piece of context I'm interested in because uh, last time we talked, Johanna, you were talking about the role of different ratings agencies and things like that. And you've now sort of touched on a whole host of things that a financial institution like Triodos might look at when considering, you know, what constitutes a responsible business. But I think what I'd like to understand is like, where exactly does this information come from? Because it's one thing to say, oh, we want to, you know, look at companies who are doing A, B, C, and D, but how do you know A, B, C, and D? And I think that's maybe like a useful starting point for then uh, looking at like, okay, well, d does A, B, and C, A, B, C, and D make sense? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so maybe as a clarification, so I'm coming from the listed side, so mainly looking at stock listed uh, companies. And uh, my previous jobs were at so-called ESG rating agencies. Uh, so I know that a bit from the inside out. Um, so the data, um, so let's start at the ESG rating agencies. Um, they employ lots of uh, researchers or analysts, and they basically look at uh, public information disclosed by companies on the websites and their reports that's the first source then they also talk to companies they send requests for information um, and make them understand that investors need that information that's also then company disclosure and then it's media 
Um, so uh, we have like these, um, what do you call it, media crawling devices. So they, they capture all the article, news articles in the whole world in several languages and we get it for our companies. Uh, so that's another layer. And then we also look at other research reports. So if uh, NGOs have published a, a report uh, accusing company XYZ on something, we also look at that. Uh, and these usually also show up in the media coverage. So I think, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, company disclosure and then media NGO reporting. Um, and then now working for an investor, we also have uh, data sources such as Bloomberg, FactSat, um, and broker research, but that's more on the financial side. I want to turn to certifications, because if one of the pieces of information that you as impact investors are looking at is what has been publicly disclosed by a publicly listed company, presumably one of those things would be what kinds of certifications they require of their supply chains. One of the things that I've heard often on this show from suppliers, and that is also consistent with my own experience, is that these certifications haven't always added much substantive value to our business. So in part two of this conversation, which is also out today, I'm going to ask Lubaina and Hillman to share a little bit of their thoughts on this. And um, on the one hand, Johanna, how you approach uh, certifications and to how you decide which ones are good and which ones are not. And on the flip side, you know, from Lubaina and Hillman's perspective, what do they think? And what would they like to see impact investors looking at when it comes to certifications? Thank you for listening to Manufactured. Support the show by following me on Instagram at manufactured underscore podcast or sign up for the bi-weekly newsletter at www.manufacturedpodcast.com for an overview of the latest episodes, articles I've recently published, and links to off-the-beaten-path reading. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can make a Patreon donation at www.manufacturedpodcast.com. Last but not least, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and hit subscribe. This helps other people find the show, and I'd really love your help with that.